excellent is thy name. O Lord, how excellent is thy name. You know, one of the um, things that uh, the more you, you look at modern Christendom, the more you realize it, it goes off into all sorts of tangents and ideas. And um, I thought, you know, just for the sake of, um, of equilibrium, I'd bring a um, parallel version of the Bible. Um, <laughs> just so that, you know, uh, I could get my own back in a moment um, with heretics and um, point out uh, where, where is um, no, I, I, I want you to know that I will not do this again however uh, this, there is an opportunity here um, that cannot be missed however uh, uh, it says in John's Gospel, chapter 15, um, uh, verse 16, uh, one of the things that, that I've found, uh, you can look up for a second, one of the things I've found is that uh, it, it, if you're in charge of anything, it's amazing how people will use your name. You know, uh, it's an excuse. The bishop said this, the bishop said that. Uh, whether I said it or not, is irrelevant, it's the fact that I'm meant to have said it. Um, and um, it seems that people think that gives them authority uh, because they say, I said it. And um, usually it's uh, a misquote, taken out of context, twisted, distorted, perverted, and used in the way they want to use it, People don't listen to what you actually say, they listen to what they want to hear. You know the way people interpret things. Hello? And then they say, oh, the bishop said this, and you think, how on earth did they get that from that? And they take authority from the fact that, well, you know, he said, therefore. Well, if that can happen to me, Imagine that God says, hey, you can use my name as your authority. But when you use my name, it has a tremendous implication. And I want to look at it tonight. Uh, you see, what has happened for every true Christian is God has given us the power of attorney. Now, a power of attorney means I can turn around and I can actually use someone else's name and, and on behalf of them can act in their place. And, and it's as though they said it because they haven't got the capability of saying it, yet I can do it and, and because I do it in their name, it's as though they did it. And that's the way it is. Now, God has given us a way, and you've got to understand this a tremendous way. He's saying, look, and this is the trouble with the church, they don't understand the authority that God has really given them.
if they did, and if a Christian got hold of what God has given them, boy, things would be different. But because they don't appreciate what God has done, they're praying and asking God to give them what is already theirs by right. And so I want to look at it, the authority that's in the name. And I want you to make notes uh, and write it down. Don't believe me, believe the book. Because the book is where it is. The Word of God. And, and don't get into this Logos and Rhema. Say, oh, well, this is a Logos word, this is a Rhema word. Let me tell you something. One is interchangeable with the other. End of story. That's all I have to say about that. John 15, verse 16 says this. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And ordained you, that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he may give it you. Jesus was saying, look, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I ordain you that you should go and bring forth fruit. Your fruit should remain. Now, always, I, I point out to people, it's God who chose you, God called you, it's God who did it. God is the originator of your salvation, not you. I'm a great believer in God's mercy and love and grace. Uh, you couldn't even respond to God if God didn't quicken your heart. You couldn't even know conviction if the Holy Ghost didn't convict you of sin. You wouldn't know you needed a savior without God making you alive to it. So basically, salvation's of God, isn't it? He's the author and finisher of our faith. If he don't author it, it won't get finished. And so, he goes on and says, look, I, I want you to understand that I, I've chosen you and ordained you that you can bring forth much fruit and your fruit should remain. That's what, that's what I want. The whatsoever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. In other words, you can come and you can ask Father anything in my name and he's going to give it you. Whatever you ask in my name, a name and nature are synonymous. synonymous. And, and so he's saying that. Now look in John 16 verse 23. He goes on, it explains it a bit more. It says, And in that day you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy might, might be full. At that day you shall ask in my name, and I say not unto you, that I will pray the Father for you, and so on. You will ask in my name. Jesus was saying, look, not when, when I go to heaven, I want you to go and, uh, and t talk about the kingdom. Talk about, no. He says, what I want you to do is glorify the Father, bring forth free. You've got to ask in my name. Father's going to do things when you come in my name. 
When you come in the name of Jesus, you have tremendous authority with God. You can ask whatsoever you will, he'll do it. You have a tremendous power if you ask. But being in his name means that you've got to bring forth fruit. If you bring forth fruit and you understand that you're chosen of God, and you understand that you didn't choose him, he chose you, he ordained you, that you might bring forth much fruit and your fruit would remain. Anything you ask, whatsoever you ask, in my name of the Father, Jesus said, Father's going to do it. And so we have a, an opportunity, if we live right and we walk right, whatever we ask him, in the name of Jesus, it's going to happen. That is a tremendous promise. I, I pointed out to someone who, who I was over in a church recently. I, I mean, <laughs> a woman said, well, you know, nothing goes right in my life. What about the promises of God? I said, well, there are promises of God, but it's the promise of God in Christ Jesus. It's yea and amen. If you're outside of Christ Jesus, it's just a promise in a book. It says all the promises of God are in Christ Jesus. Yea and amen. Outside of him, you don't get much. And what Jesus is talking about is being in his name. That means God's in you and you're walking in his power and his authority. And when you do that, whatever you ask the Father... He'll do it. I believe it with all my heart, don't you? Now that day you shall ask in my name. Uh, John 14 verse 13 says, And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now do you believe it's true? Does it limit it? Is there a limitation? There isn't, is there? Anything. Anything in my name, I will do it. So we have a tremendous authority in God. We're the type of people, that, that's why to pray and pray and pray and keep asking and asking and not believing that you receive when you ask is stupid because if you really believe what God says and you pray in faith, hey, you can't deny what God has promised. If you're having to ask again and again and again, it's because you never believe that what he said is true. Whatever I ask in his name. Verse 14, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. Now, I believe that is true. Don't you? Jesus was speaking to the disciples and he's saying, Hey, I want you to understand the authority and power is going to be in my name. It's going to be in my nature. It's going to be in my life. Every promise of God in Christ Jesus is yes and amen. But it's yes and amen in his name. It's not yes and amen in my name. It's in his name. That's why it, um, 
people will use someone else's name for their authority. They know they haven't the authority in themselves, so they think if you pinch someone else's name, you, you, you've got credibility. Well, you imagine if you've got God's name on your side, you've got real credibility. All right? Uh, let's look in Acts of the Apostles, chapter 16, verse 18. You'll find over in Acts. You remember the woman with the spirit of divination and Paul being grieved turned and said to the spirit I command you in the name of, uh, of Jesus Christ come out of her and he came out that very hour. What authority did he use? The name of Jesus. You've got to come out and he came out the same hour. Now here's Paul, he gets fed up with a devil. Now. I, I've read somewhere, I think it's, I can't remember whose book it is, so. But one person said, you can't cast demons out unless a person's willing. That's a load of rubbish. Um, this woman with the spirit of divination, she was making a lot of money out of it, and she was saying, these are the servants of the Most High God doesn't say she was willing, Paul turned around, cast the devil out. You don't need someone's will. You have authority that supersedes everything. I hope you understand that. God supersedes um, God's name and God's power and God's authority is over everything. Now he's given free will. And you have a will, whomsoever will may come. But don't ever get the idea that God can't do anything if you're not willing. Don't ever get that idea. Because I want to tell you, uh, God can pick you up by your hair and fly you a million miles, that, you know, in a second, if that's what he wants to do. God can do anything. When God wants to, he can wake you up, whether you want to sleep on or not. When God wants to, he can stir his spirit in you and bring conviction of sin. He can cause you never to sleep. He can cause you to go through a hundred things, can't he? Our God's good, isn't he? Merciful, mighty. He came to convince the world of sin. No one in the world wants to be convinced of sin. It just so happens that's what the Holy Spirit does. No one ever wants to be convinced of how wrong they are God goes, it violates will. Because if you could turn God off, you would sometimes. Unfortunately, you can't. Because light manifests darkness. Uh, the darkness doesn't understand it and doesn't like it, but it's there. God's God. The way you got saved when God chose you, he caused his spirit to work on you. He engineered the circumstances. And in the end, you got convicted, and then you realized you needed a savior. You got saved by God's, God authored it. And he finished it, didn't he? Hello? Say, so, oh no, no, it was my choice. It's never your choice, God does it. 
God gets inside a person. That's why some people can come to me and get real angry as a dingbat with me. You know, they don't like what I'm saying. They'll come back for more. Now you can excuse it. You can make all sorts of excuses. But in the end, you keep coming. God will get you. He'll get inside you when he wants to. And your will can't turn it off. You can try and shut it out. But you'll wake up in the night and he'll get you. My God's a good God. And I believe if you sow good seed, you're going to have a harvest. And whether you like it or not, there will be a harvest. Say, so, oh no, 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 it's up to my will. That just shows how ignorant you are. God said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. You know you were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. Don't ever get it. You say, ah oh, yeah, well he foreknew what I'd do. Yeah, he foreknew what you'd do, but he needn't have chosen you. But he did. Why did he? Because he's God. Who can understand the ways of God? They're past finding out. So why do you pretend you can? I don't know why God chooses one and not another. I don't know why God intervenes when God... Hey, God could knock you down right now. There was Paul. He wasn't happy. He was going along as Saul of Tarsus to put people in prison, to kill people, and the light came, bang, he went off his donkey, flat on the ground. Who are you, Lord? Was he willing? No, he wasn't willing. He got knocked down. That made him willing. Then he had to be led. He, he was blind to a street called Straight so he could get straightened out but he was still blind and then along comes a prophet talks to him and he says Paul he says I'm going to tell you how much things you're going to suffer for his name's sake didn't say for the kingdom of God it's for his name name is the important thing God is interested in his name do you know when he talks to the children of Israel, he said, I'm going to save you, not because you deserve it, for my name's sake I'm going to do it. God's jealous of his name. And he looks after his name. And that's why you can't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. It's one of the commandments. Very important. God didn't want someone to say, and that's why I don't like this kind of pop-off prophecy. And you know God never said it. It's their heated imagination. And they say, oh, it's prophecy. It's not prophecy, it's stupidity. When God speaks, praise God for it. But let's not mess around pretending we know what God's saying unless he really does say it. Is that fair enough? I'm not against prophecy. I'm just against the modern idea of what a prophetic word is. I want to see it lines up with the scripture. Don't line up with scripture and it doesn't produce the right things in a life. I don't believe it. Look it with me in Acts chapter 3. Let's have a look in Acts. Acts chapter 3 and verse 5. You remember the beggar? sitting at the temple gates and, and one day Peter and John were going up to the temple 
at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Do you notice it wasn't an all-night prayer meeting? It was three in the afternoon. It was the hour of prayer. Do you know Jesus said an hour's prayer is sufficient? Never people want to pray all night. God says no. When Jesus at the greatest time in the Garden of Gethsemane, one hour was sufficient for him. I can't understand why people think you've got to go on for hours and hours praying because I find after 10 minutes you can have prayed everything you can think of and some things you can't think of, can't you? So why waste a lot of time in needless um, soulish exercise? Ridiculous. However, they were going up in the afternoon. Now a crippled man from his birth was being carried to the temple gate called... Oh dear, I'm reading out the wrong version. Um, <laughs> oh dear, I'll get it right now. Um, a certain man laid from his mother's womb... Oh, that's better. <laughs> was carried, whom <laughs> they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. Now, do look at this. Peter and John are saying, Look on us. One of the things I've learned is if you get people out the front in a big campaign, the one thing you want to do is get them to fasten their eyes on you and make eye contact. I always worry if a preacher can't make eye contact, he doesn't make any contact. I don't like it when people have their heads down and you can't see their eyes. I like to see people's eyes. Eye contact is important. I don't know why, but it's the window of your soul, your eyes. And it's important. I, I like to know when I'm talking to someone, and I like to know when they're talking to me, I like eye contact. Otherwise you're not really speaking to them. And they're not really paying attention to you. One of the worst things and you know, shifty people will never look you in the eye. Something wrong when a person can't stand and look you in the eye. Bad. If you have nothing to hide. And so they say, look on us. And I want you to follow this. And he gave them heed, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. I'm going to give you what I have got. And then he says something. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them 
into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he which sat for arms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people and said, You men of Israel, why marvel ye at this, or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? Hey, Peter said, look, silver and gold have I none, but what I've got, I'll give you. Then, he used what he'd been given. He'd been given a name, an authority in that name, that whatever he said, God was going to do it. And he knew what he had. And he understood the authority he had. And he used that authority to bring life to that man. And when, even though he said, look on us, he made it clear when he talked to the people, he said, look, it wasn't by our holiness. It wasn't by anything I've got. One by my gift, says Peter. Don't come looking at us and thinking we've got something. It's not from us. The source isn't us. And then it goes on in verse 13. The God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and killed the Prince of Life whom God hath raised from the dead whereof we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong whom you see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I wot that through ignorance you did it, as did also your rulers. But those things which God before had shown by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the time of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, and he shall send Jesus Christ which was before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive till the times of restitution of all things, and so on. I want you to look back at verse 16. And his name through faith in his name. It's not just his name, it's faith in his name. Now if you look at the kind of international version, you know, the new one, which isn't, you know, it says this, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. 
Uh, there, there's faith in the name. Uh, I find a lot of people, they don't have faith in the name. They don't believe in the name. Do you know, if there's one thing that the people have got, that at the end of their prayer they'll say in the name of Jesus. I sometimes go along and I find people, when I pray for people, they say, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name... No, 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 no. It's how you live and what's in you. And it's faith in the name. It's not using it as a kind of talisman thinking there's magic in it. Saying in the name of Jesus does do nothing. It's having faith in the name of Jesus that does everything. Faith comes by hearing. Do you realize God said, if you ask anything of the Father in my name, you'll do it. That's the faith you have to have. Faith that God will do what he promised to do. I come in the name of Jesus. He said, whatsoever you ask in his name, he'll do it. I believe it. And this was what Peter understood. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Faith in the name. Not many Christians have that. They have faith in all sorts of things. They have faith in... Uh, but you can have faith in Peter. I know there's people, some people can look, they say, well, why when you go abroad, do, do miracles happen so often, and we don't see them happen here like that so often? Let me tell you why. It's, it's all to do with faith in the name. You see, there's a lot of people here who don't have faith in his name. You have faith in the pastor, or you have faith in a person, but it's not faith, it's faith in him. I can't heal anyone. But you see, when you go abroad, uh, and you appear there, and you preach Christ, people aren't so connected with a person, they're just connected with the gospel they hear, so they respond to the one who's been preached about. You come here, and they respond, and they say, oh, well, I saw him pray for so-and-so, and they were healed. And then they start coming, not with faith in the name, but faith in me. You won't get anything that way. Say, so look on us. I tell people, when I go to somewhere like Venezuela, I said, look on me. And then I went around, and I, I made eye contact with the people. Now, there were over 1,000, 1,500 people there. But if I could make eye contact with them, I knew, you see, I was preaching faith in his name. It's faith in Christ. If I ask something of God the Father in the name of Jesus, he says he'll do it. Faith in his name. And, and that is what is important. It's not kind of a talisman, as I said, it's not magic. It's faith that God has given Jesus authority. And Jesus' promise is, look, when you come and you receive life, from that day on, you're going to be my representative. And when you come to Father and you ask for something, it's as though I was asking for it. You have the right to use my name. And God the Father will answer it according to your usage. <coughs> and when 
Peter saw this man. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up. That man had seen Jesus come many times into the temple. He'd heard the miracles. Hey, when Peter went into the temple, he said, look, it was you that, that denied the Holy One. You, you were responsible. He's at Jerusalem. He's telling them in the temple, it was you and your rulers. You didn't understand what you were doing, but it was you. You took him, the Prince of Peace. And then he said, it's faith in his name. That's what makes the difference. And if tonight you could get out of your head that it's anything but him, and you could get and begin to believe that whatever ever is said, and you have faith in his name, a miracle's yours. Whatever you ask, it's yours. I believe it. But if you rely on someone else, you're going to get it wrong. Look at this, verse 12. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, You men of Israel, why marvel you? Or why you look you so earnestly on us? As though by our own power or holiness we made this man to walk. Heck, if you've got a question as to to who's doing it I want to tell you who does miracles God I want to tell you something else whose power it is his if you think that I'm I'm holy and that's why God does miracles you've got another thing coming you know, it's his holiness it's his righteousness it's his life it's his power it's him I preach Christ not kingdom, Christ. See, his kingdom's come. Came 2,000 years ago. He ushered in, that's why he's called the king of kings. See? And you've got to understand that. It's his name now that we need. Is that plain? No, it's not plain. Yes, it is plain. John 14, 14 says, If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. But it, it's got to come to real faith. If I was to say to each one of you, you could stand up now. Think of something you really want God to do. Can you have faith in his name that if you ask anything, Jesus said, anything in my name, I will do it. <laughs> was he true or was he false? Well, so if you ask in the name of Jesus anything, he says, I'll do it. Not having faith in your prayer, not having faith in your power, not having faith in your faith, having faith in his promise. <laughs> That's different. You don't have faith in your faith, 
have faith in his promise that God cannot lie. That was the faith that they had, you see. They'd been with Jesus and he kept saying, look, hitherto you didn't ask anything in my name. Now you ask the Father in my name, he'll do it. Whatsoever you ask him, he's going to do it. And Christians need to get back to a realization of the simplicity of using the name of Jesus. Not as a, as a kind of end to their prayer, but as a lifestyle. Matthew 28 verse 18 says this, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Ghost. He said, All power, that's all authority is given unto me. All. That means there's nothing that isn't. And Philippians chapter 2 verse 9 Go with me to Philippians chapter 2. Verse 9 says this. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, that's Jesus, and given him a name which is above every name. Now Jesus' name is above every name. There's no other name. Do you realize that <laughs> and he's talking about power, authority, and he's talking about the supremacy of the name. There is no other name under heaven whereby man can be saved. And he wants you to know that every name, every name is under his name. No name above it. There's no disease is above his name. There's no physical impairment above his name. There's no one in the world ever above his name. There's no thing in creation that can ever be ascended above him. And the wonderful thing is, wherefore, why did God do it? Because it says in verse 5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found, found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore... God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth and things under the earth. Now look, this name deals with everything in heaven, everything on earth 
and everything under the earth. Everything has to bow. Every knee has to bow. Now how can a thing have a knee? Question. That's what it says. Every knee bows. Look. It, uh, you know, now you might get some help, you know, from different versions. I'm not saying you won't. Um, dare I say it? I will say it. <laughs> if you look, therefore, it says in the New International, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father now who do they bow to? who do they bow to? who do they bow to? Well, what do they bow to? No, it doesn't say they bow to Jesus. The name. That's what they bow to. The name. In other words, the name has the authority. God has given them a name that's above every name. It's the name. And... What I want to make plain is, look, there's nothing in heaven that's above his name. There's no devil over this city. There's no devil over this town. There's no devil over your family. There's no devil over your ancestor. There's no devil over your disease. There's no devil over your genes. There's no devil over your inheritance that can be above the name of Jesus because God has exalted Jesus in heaven on earth and under the earth even if the devil's in hell he cannot exert his power any longer because God has highly exalted this Jesus and is above everything at the cross where it happened he made himself of no reputation, became obedient, even unto the death of the cross, and that dealt with the devil once and for all. Don't ever get the idea that Jesus had to go into hell. The blasphemy that people preach, that somehow he atoned in hell, he never, ever suffered corruption. The Bible says it, and I want to tell you, Calvary, when he said it was finished, the devil, every devil, every demon, every occult power, every principality in heaven, on earth, and under the earth was totally and utterly finished, and God exalted him above them all. And his name is over them all. And his authority is over them all. All authority is being given to him. And there is no way you can ever have any authority that's higher than the authority you have because you're a Christian and the name of Jesus is in your life, in your heart, in your being, and you belong to him. 
Christ in you is the hope of glory. And when you have Jesus Christ living in you, you have the authority that created heaven and earth, and there is nothing in this world of greater authority than the power you have from the living God. Get it in your heart, get it in your mind. Doesn't matter what it appears, I want to tell you, there is no devil, no demon, no principality, no power. There's nothing in heaven, there's nothing on earth, there's nothing under the earth that's above this name. And you have his name written in your forehead when you're born from above. God puts his name upon you. You're sealed forever. And there's nothing can take it from you. Nothing. You have his name. And you have authority in that name. You don't have to fear anyone or anything. Understand it. You say, well, what about when people do... I want to tell you they have no authority. Pilate stood in front of Jesus. He said, don't you know I have authority over life and death? Jesus said, you can't have authority if God doesn't give it to you. Who do you think you are? And God has put the name and the authority of the name into the hands of every Christian. Have you got faith in that name? That's a Christian life. You look and you see and you behold and you want to fulfill God's purposes and God's will in the earth and God's will is you prepare and bring forth much fruit. It's because of the name. The name of Jesus. The name is above every name. It's wonderful. Most glorious truth, if you can get hold of it. Verse 10, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Things in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. Glory to God. Hey, you can go into any situation and you know they've got to bow the knee to this name. Sure. Doesn't matter what they think. It's not a question of whether they want to or not. You notice that. It's not a question of willingness. It's a question of God has exalted him and given him a name above every name. God's done it. And when God's done it, no man can undo it. Do you understand that? Hey, God has exalted him. And given him a name above every name. God has done it. Do you know that's the most wonderful thing? Most beautiful thing? People, people come, a, a name is everything. Oh, you know, inside yourself you can argue with your little intellect. I want to tell you, it's not to the natural mind I speak.
If you're living in the sensual realm of your five senses, you've got no sense at all. I'm telling you what God says, it's faith in that name. If you can hear and have faith in the name, you'll find everything will change in your life. You know the truth and the truth makes you free. You can sit here and listen to the truth and acquiesce to it intellectually, that won't change you. It's having faith in the name. God says it's above everything. You can look into your life and into every situation and say God's over it. You can look into every circumstance of your life and say Jesus is over this. God exalted him over it. You can look into every oppression and you say God's above this. His name's over it. Devil, you've lost your rights. Disease, you've lost your rights. You know right because God the Father has lifted Jesus above it all. Now if you believe that, change everything. Let's look at another scripture. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Wherefore, in verse 15, you can look at why the wherefores were there before, uh, but I haven't time to do that. So look at the wherefores, because it tells you a lot of things, and then it goes on and says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding be, being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church amen that's where Christ is. You notice it was the name. He lifted him up, exalted him. And look what it says. I love it. Uh, verse 20, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenlies. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. Not only in this world but also in that which is to come. And have put all things under his feet. Glory to God. Do you believe that? I believe it with all my heart. And... Go back with me to Acts 2. Acts chapter 2. 
you know, I, I just want to get these so you realize it's not just one place in Scripture. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Then said Peter, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You've got to repent, be baptized, what, in the name of Jesus Christ, every one of you, in the name of Jesus. That day, 3,000 souls were added to the church, all right? Going on, <coughs> you find in um, Acts 3, we went, um, we went and we looked and we saw how uh, the, the lame man and um, how he was healed. And you'll find in Acts chapter 4 and verse 1, as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in the hold. And verse 4, Howbeit, many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. It came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes, and Annas the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in their midst, they asked them, By what power? Verse 7, or what? What name? You see, the Jews understood there was a name. They understood, you know, by what power or by what name are you doing this? We want to know. Every authority has a name. What name? Whose authority were they saying? That's what they were really saying. Whose authority are you doing it by? They were worried. They were real worried. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, I love this, <laughs> said unto them, You rulers of the people in Israel, of uh, elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impudent man, and by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, that's how it was done. It was the name that did it. The name of Jesus. And then he goes on. I love it. I love it. He, boy, by the, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God hath raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which is become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Uh, I love it. They, got, they were in trouble. 
Hey, here's a man for years lay at the gates of the temple. Now he's healed, and they say it's through faith in his name that the Sadducees and the chief priests come, and all the relatives of the chief priests are there, and they say, by what power or by what name have you done it? And then Peter stands up. He says, it's the name of Jesus of Nazareth, the one you took and crucified. God's raised him from the dead. He's alive. <laughs> he stands whole through his name. Boy, they have trouble now. I love it. Now, this is what I call confrontational evangelism. Or, to use another word, friendship evangelism. Boy, does he confront. I love it. He's full of the Holy Ghost, the spirit of love. Glory to God. Hmm. <laughs> and beholding, verse 14, and beholding the man which was healed, standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Glory to God. Goes on. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed a notable miracle has been done by them, is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. Oh dear. But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. You see, the one thing they want to stop a Christian doing is the name of Jesus. The one thing that is destructive is this name. We find out who you did it in, whose name it was, and boy, it's a name we don't want to hear. Do you know that's why you get multi-faith, new ageism. You've got the churches over, the big churches in America. They're trying to get rid of all Christian doggerel. They don't want you to preach the cross. They don't want you to keep mentioning Jesus. Just talk about God. Talk about ethics. Don't offend people. But there's only one name under heaven whereby man can be saved. And they say, don't use this name. The devil doesn't want to hear this name. Because he knows it's a name that's above every name in heaven, on earth, under the earth. This name. And he's in trouble. Boy, he's in trouble. He is in trouble. When we start using the name of Jesus, and when we start believing in this name, he is in trouble. He's got no authority, no power, no rights. The name's above every name. That's what's so wonderful. And so what the Jews, all they can say is, don't use this name. Can't argue with a miracle. Just do it in some other name. Just don't mention this name. 
That's why Christians, they say, oh, you know, you Christians, you think you're the only people that are right. You know, Jesus is the only, yes, he is the only way. See, the devil doesn't want us to say that. Ah, oh, there's many ways to God. No, there isn't. Jesus is the way. See, the church has compromised. We talk about a multi-faith society. There is only one faith, one Lord, one baptism, one name that's above every name. It's the name of Jesus. Over Buddha, over Muhammad. <laughs> My Jesus. Glory to God. You see, this, well, you mustn't look, do anything but keep this name out of it. You know, be a Christian, keep the name out. Sorry. There's power in the name. How excellent is thy name, O Lord. See, the devil wants to stop you using that name. Stops you wanting to believe and have faith in that name. See, that's why the gospel is so important to be preached. It's the good news of Jesus. His death, his resurrection, his name, above every name. Heaven, earth, under the earth. Glory. That's why it's wonderful being a Christian, isn't it? Mm. And then they started um, threatening them. You'll find that over in um, uh, Acts 4. Look at that, 29. Glory to God. Verse 29, this is the prayer. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders might be done in the name of thy holy child, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. See, it's, it, it's miracles, healings in the name. It's all in the name. Holy Ghost came, name. Acts 4.33 And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Acts 5 verse 27 Look, look at this. I love this. Acts 5, verse 27. And when they had bought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? You see, that's the problem. They weren't worried about the teaching, they were worried about the name it was in. That was their problem, you know. And then he goes on. Uh, and behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. 
the God of our fathers raised up Jesus whom you slew and hanged on a tree. Amen? You see, you, you know what they were trying to quell? The name. Do you know what? The world don't care if you preach healing as long as you keep the name of Jesus out of it. They don't, if you keep God, just talk God, talk morals, talk, talk the Lord. Just don't mention Jesus Christ. Because when you do, they're in trouble. <laughs> they, can, they, they, they don't mind, you know, oh, well, it's God. It, it's the higher being. It's the Father. It's... Oh no, when you get down, this is the thing that gets up there cruel. But it's in this name, everything has to bow. And so a Christian has tremendous authority. And the one thing the devil tried to stamp out was the use of the name. He understood it. He got his disciples, the devil's a liar. Stop using the name. Get them off the name. Let them use any other name. As long as they don't use this name. Acts chapter 8. Look at this. We're going through Acts. Because, you know, it's new covenant. Old. It isn't new. Glory to God. Acts chapter 8, verse 12. And when they believe... Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. You see, you never got things outside of the name. When I hear people want to preach the kingdom but leave the name out, I get worried. Because the main thing that we need to know is Jesus that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. See, Paul always, and when they went out, the disciples, they were always teaching about the name of Jesus. You've got to understand it's Jesus who does it. You've got to understand he's the healer, he's the deliverer. You've got to understand he took your sins, he died for you, he's risen. It's the name of Jesus. He's alive. He's got a name that's above every name. Christians have got to start preaching it again. The church has got to wake up to the authority that's in the name. That's where it's all at. In the name of Jesus. Devils fear and flee. People say, oh no, 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 no. Everyone wants to avoid the religious Thing, they say, oh, no, no, well, you know, you don't really, you don't have to keep bringing that in. Yeah, I do. Verse 16, you remember they were only baptized in the name of, um, of, Jesus, of the Lord Jesus. They'd already been baptized. Holy Ghost wasn't. Um, fallen on them yet you'll find that verse 15 go on with me to Acts 9 you can look it up yourself in your own time I want to go on uh, Acts 9 verse um, when, when Ananias is told to go and pray for Paul who's blind and he's at the street called Straight here's what he says Lord says Ananias 
because he had to tell God because God didn't know this. He said, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority. I tell you what, I'm reading from the wrong version. Um, I'll get back to the right version. It's terrible, isn't it? Dear, oh dear. Then Asa answer said, Lord, I've heard many things of this man. How much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that do what? Call upon his name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, and shall bear my name before the Gentiles, and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. See, name. Name. Everything's to do with name. You know, you, you notice how it's not to do with kingdom. Notice how it's not to do with church. It's to do, you see, Jesus builds his church. We're here to preach Christ and to lift him up. Lift up the name of Jesus. And it's all to do with name. Is that clear? Verse 21, but all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he, this is Paul, that destroyed them which called upon on this name in Jerusalem and came hither to that intent that he might bring them bound unto the chief priest. He was coming to persecute those who called on the name. See, the one thing the devil hates is people that really understand it's the name of Jesus. It's the name. Because when you start realizing that's where all authority lies, where all power lies, that God will do anything in that name. Whatsoever you ask, he's going to do it. What a tremendous power Christians have. Uh, the one thing the devil wants to take off from us is the authority of that name. He wants to deceive us. That's why you've got all this modern day spiritual warfare where people think there's devils and demons over. Hey, he's got a name over every principality, power, everything in heaven, earth, under the earth. The name of Jesus. What a name. All right? Want to go on? Don't want to leave it there. Because there's a few more scriptures to go. Okay, Acts 10. In Acts 10 and verse... Acts 10 verse 43. Oh, oh. Oh, let's take verse 40. Him God hath raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us, who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which hath, was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. To him gave all the prophets witness that through his name... Whosoever believeth in him should not should receive remission of sins. And while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them. 
all of them which heard the word. All of them that heard the word. Holy Ghost fell on them. It was the name. Name. Everything's to do with name. See, there was something about why Jesus emphasized it in John. He said, look, you've never asked in my name, but now you ask the Father anything in my name, he's going to do it. They understood, they were taught, Jesus taught his disciples the power was in the name. So in the early church, when they went out, it wasn't Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, it was Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hey! The name of Jesus! Doesn't say name of the Holy Ghost. Every knee bows to this name. That's what we preach. Jesus atoned. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is Lord. Not Holy Ghost. Verse 44. And when Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision, which believed, were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because on the Gentiles was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost, for they heard them speak with tongues and um, magnify God. Verse 48, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Get baptized in the name of the Lord. You cannot be baptized in any other name. All right? Let's go on. Um... Acts 15 and um, Acts 15 Acts 15 verse 25 it seemed good unto us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men that has hazarded their lives. What for? For the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, it was all to do with the name. It wasn't to do with any gospel, kingdom gospel stuff. It was to do with the name of Jesus. All right? Can't understand how people can get kind of kingdom doctrine out. Don't seem that the people in Acts knew what to do. And then Acts um, 16, Acts chapter 16, verse 18. You remember she kept it up many days, a woman with a spirit of divination. Finally, Paul became so troubled. Oh, look, I'm reading from the wrong version again. I don't know why I'm doing this. It's not the Holy Ghost leading me. I'll tell you that. Wrong ghost. Um, she did this many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gain was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers. 
and brought them unto the magistrates, saying, These men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. And they rose up against them. You remember? And then the keeper of the jail comes along and um, he finds out that it's in the name of Jesus. Okay? Acts 19. Verse 5, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And it was known to all the Jews and Greeks also, dwelling at Ephesus. And fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And in Acts 21, verse 13, Then Paul answered, What mean you to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. It's the name I'm prepared to die for. Didn't say I'm prepared to die for the church. It's the name of Jesus. I understand the authority in that name. I won't deny this name. I'm not going to worship another. I'm not going to bow to any other name. There's no other God. And you see, really, a Christian, everything depends on the name. And in that name is his nature. And in that name is all that he is and all that he says. And Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Whatsoever I said to you, do it. It's all to do with the name. And then you go over to Acts 22, verse 16. And now, why tarriest thou, arise and be baptized, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And Acts 26, verse 9, I verily thought with, with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. You know, I thought I should do things contrary to his name, but I realized I was wrong. Okay? Now, I, I want to go on on Sunday. You know, I've kind of come to the end. Everything in life depends on authority. Let me tell you this. I, I, I want to explain this to you. What the devil's about is trying to undermine authority. Uh, that's, that's his only hope. He wants to undermine your faith in the authority of that name. And he'll use any means to do it. Now with Jesus, the line was, Ha! Look at him! Born out of wedlock! Ha! Carpenter's son! Ha! Winebibber and glutton! Ha! Who's he? One brought up a Pharisee! Ha! And they attacked Jesus. Which of the leaders has believed on him? Ha! Huh? They wanted to bring the name down. Do you know that's the ploy of the devil all throughout history? He can't get at God, but he can sure get at his servants. Let's bring them down because their, their target isn't the person it's the name. See, their target wasn't Paul or Peter or John. It was the name. Peter and John represented the name. 
Paul, when he was going to Jerusalem, said, I'm prepared to die for the name. But what they were attacking was the person who preached the name. And the devil's whole ploy on this earth is to bring down those who hold his name. That's all he can do. He has no power, no authority, no might, because this name is above every name. So what can he do? He's going to try and discredit those who bear his name. And he'll use any means to do it. That is what the Spirit does. The spirit that works in the children of disobedience produces rebellion, hatred, anger, envy, jealousy. But the fight is against the name. It's not against the person. It's the name. If I can bring them down, I bring down that name. The devil's after the name. If he can discredit the name of Jesus, if he can discredit a Christian, he hurts you and he hurts me. Wake up and realize we're in a war. Spiritual warfare is maintaining allegiance to the name. All his subtleties, all his machinations are against one thing, the name. That's what it's against. Hey, he doesn't care for you, you're a two-bit player. He don't care for me, I'm a two-bit player. I tell you what he cares for, he wants to discredit the name. He wants to bring down the name. Oh, miracles! You don't believe in miracles. Sure, he's not, not worried whether you believe in miracles or not. He's worried in whose name it's done. Got to hurt the name. Let's put into people's hearts and minds skepticism. What's he attacking? The name. All the time, he's aiming one ploy. I will destroy this name. See? But it's always going he can't go and say anything against the miracles so he attacks the name wake up does he do it front on no it's subtle that's why it says in the bible and you mark my words it's so clear murmurings you get complaining little people in the church i tell you one complainer makes two complainers makes ten complainers someone that's murmuring and grouching murmurs and grouches it's funny how birds of the feather flock together before you know it you've got a pit full of snakes but what is the devil about is he after them no he's after the name that's what he hates Let's destroy the reputation. That's what he's about. And don't you give yourself to it. That's what Peter said. Far be it from you, Lord. He said, get me behind you, Satan. You don't understand the things of God. You're only interested in the things of man. It's amazing how natural things will stumble people. They don't even understand what they're stumbling at. Why? Because they're after the name.
The devil's out there. We're in a war. Who's he going to hit? He's going to hit the name of Jesus. How is he going to do it? He's going to find something wrong with you or something wrong with me or something wrong with the person next to you and he's going to attack the name. Huh. So that's the way Christians are, is it? Then they bring up strange things, strange stories. Don't you ever give yourself to it. Wise up. We're in a war. What's the devil about? You know God commands blessing where the brethren dwell together in unity. He wants to bring schism and discord. We're in a war. You want to wake up. People think it's devils and demons up there. He doesn't need spirit powers up there. He's got you in the church. He wanted to attack Jesus. He used Peter. Peter was right there. He was the one that got out of the boat, walked on water. He was the one who just had the revelation that Jesus was the Christ. He used him. Watch out who used your tongue. James has very good words for it. You know your tongue can set on the fire of hell. Just takes a little murmuring and dissension and you can set the thing going and I tell you, you can do hell's work for it. But what's it aiming for? To bring the name down. Can it succeed? No. But I'll tell you what it does do. It stumbles others. But we're not ignorant of Satan's devices, are we? Hmm? Therefore the Bible tells us, don't live that way. It's easy to get caught up. People do. Do you know I believe that all of us have a calling. That's to lift him up. To exalt him. And in exalting him to lift one another up. The devil's about. There's none good, no, not one. He's the Lord of glory. You know, he's building his church. Are you helping to build it or are you helping to dismantle it? Are you helping to edify it or are you helping to destroy? What does your tongue do? Do you lift up the name of Jesus and preach Christ? Preach holiness, preach freedom, preach life? Or when you open your mouth, are you tearing things down? Hey, there's power in the name of Jesus. Don't ever think he can't do anything. Lord, behold their threatenings. 
stretch forth your hand. If ever there was a time we need God's hand stretched forth, it's now. Huh? You know, the enemy's around. It's about time we began to lift our name, that name that's above every name up, and say, Lord, it's about time you dealt with these people. You know, your power's here. Hey, I want to release God's power. There's going to come a judgment in the earth. Devil, you're no right. Jesus, your Lord of Lords, King of Kings. Amen. Glory to God. Let's all stand. Do you believe what God says is true? Do you believe his word? Don't believe me, believe him. He said it. Lift your hands to heaven. Father, I just pray for each one here. Lord, each one within the sound of my voice. Lord, your name is above everything. There's no devil, no demon, no principality, no power, no sickness, no disease, no affliction, no bondage, no mental torment that can be above that name. You put your name above them all. Lord, you are exalted above all. And this night in your name I curse everything that would defy. And I command every knee to bow to that name. Every bondage to bow. Every disease to bow. Every affliction you've got to bow to the name that's above every name. And Lord I just pray in your name and your power this night. For I have faith in that name that's above every name. Lord, we come to you as your people and declare our faith in you. Lord, loose every fetter, break every chain, undo every yoke. And from this day, let everything change. And Lord, for those who would oppose your word, you promised that no weapon that was formed against us would prosper. Lord, bring it down in every life, in every heart. Do that which will exalt your name in the earth. Let your name be glorified and lifted up. Amen?